Hello and welcome to the Fit and Fabulous podcast with your co-host Greg Fearon and Gillian Davis. How are you all? So here we are on episode 22, Greg. Yes, 22. 22, 22 we are. So I'm churning out these every single week. Um, and we've got another amazing guest with us this week, Mr. I'd ben Coomber. I'd say awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Awesome. I would. Guess what? You'd say awesome too, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Ben Coomber here with us this week. And uh, maybe lots of people probably, I'm sure, know all about you. But if you don't, Ben is the presenter of your own health and fitness podcast, which is number one in the UK, Ben, called Ben Coomber Radio. And also runs the BTN Academy and obviously awesome supplements where the awesome comes from. So Ben, thank you very much for coming along. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll just kick off for anyone else that wants to know more about you, Ben. Just give us a little bit of background about you and kind of what's got you to where you are today. Yeah. So been in the short though, huh? There's a lot, isn't there? I've been in the fitness industry for about 14 years now. Got into the fitness industry because I was an obese lad. Got bullied, had ADHD, asthma, eczema. So, you know, had many of the battles that other people do. And it was that journey that kind of made me want to become a coach. Um, Started off as a personal trainer. uh, Enjoyed it, but knew it wasn't quite my calling. So sort of developed uh, in other areas, worked in pro sport, worked with kids, worked abroad, running fitness retreats. I then kind of saw the online movement a bit in about 2008. Facebook was becoming a thing and my university was pushing sort of business and enterprise and thinking a bit differently. So I started my first online nutrition coaching company in 2008 uh, in 2009, I realized I'd screwed it all up and built a business that I didn't like and didn't enjoy working in. So I created the next business, which was kind of uh, built around the people that I wanted to help. That formed into the BTN Academy in 2013, where I wanted to have a bigger impact and wanted to educate rather than just coach. So I moved into a position of coaching and educating. And then in 2016, I launched Awesome Supplements as a result of me just being frustrated with the supplement industry, people being sold stuff that didn't work, things not tasting good enough. So I'm kind of part coach, part guy with a big mouth on social media. I enjoy knowing and understanding and being in business because I think if you can develop a business in a space, you can have bigger impact because you're you're growing a community, a product, a service that can reach more people. So yeah, um, I largely work from home and do lots of podcasts and all sorts of bits. And that's kind of that's kind of the journey today, truncated. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Sounds like lots of kind of stars on your shoulders <laughs> as you go along. So it's like, <laughs> and of course, the most important one of all now is that you're a dad as well. So yeah, so big congratulations on that front as well. So how's that going Thank for you. you? I love it. I love it. Um, I just... Just, you just take every day as it comes as a new parent. Um, it is amazing seeing how people's perspective are on life when you become a parent, though, because you really see how glass half empty or glass half full people are. So people either message you and they're like, oh, God, isn't it terrible having a lack of sleep? And isn't, isn't this terrible? And Or people message you and go, oh, you know, um, are you enjoying this which might be the smile when they you know you change their nappy and all the little things that are amazing about being a parent and uh you know, don't get me wrong being a parent is tough you know there's there's you know nights where you don't get any sleep there's nights where you don't or there's days where you don't get as much time as you wanted to yourself all of that stuff but um it just pales in comparison to the good bits and it, it's just really highlighted to me how people generally think and have an act outlook on life and just generally how positive they are um yeah <laughs> yeah i guess i guess it's the, the it's the pressure is the change and how kind of how kind of you embrace the change in your life as well isn't it that you have to adapt to it i suppose as well and i guess maybe even coronavirus has kind of caused that to a lot of people as well is that adaption and and change but how how have you then find that then in terms of running your business and that and 
I suppose, in making those changes to your life? Have you? Has it um, been more difficult? Has it been harder? Has it? Have you preempted a lot? Have you? So, I've preempted all of it, and um, sort of that kind of frustrates people to an extent because they're like, "Oh, it's easier for you. Like, you know, you work from home, you're able to do this." But like, like, there's not that many things that are a surprise in life. Like, even the lockdown, they even said like this might be coming and like two to three weeks later it happened. So we even got two to three weeks to kind of plan how life might change. So when my wife, you know, got pregnant and told me I had like seven months to plan my life, like I knew what was going to change. So I started implementing the things that were going to allow me to do that. So, you know, before our baby came, I probably worked on average about nine hours a day. Now I only work about six hours a day because I knew that was probably going to be my new reality. So I created almost a new job for myself in the business. I changed things, I recruited staff, I created systems to allow myself that kind of freedom because I didn't want to be someone that worked nine hours a day anymore. I wanted to be someone who worked six hours a day. I started to change my fitness. Like how can I be really fit and healthy, but maybe only get like 45 minutes, three times a week to work out because the chances are I'm probably going to be tired half of the week. So how do I manipulate that? So I just, I'm, I'm constantly looking ahead and saying, how can I adapt? What can I change? How can I make this easier? What do I need to implement? What do I need to test now so that when it is stressed, it's a lot easier to handle. And, you know, I find a lot of people struggle when they, they don't anticipate things like things just happen and then they're scrabbling around and it's like, well, you knew this was coming and in life there's always challenges and you, you use the word adaptability. I think it's something that's vastly underrated as a skill, like being able to adapt to all the different stresses in life. Um, I'm probably a bit lucky in that I got forced into that when I was a bit younger. Like I went to a military board in school, so I got like sent away from my parents because they got divorced and you know I didn't have that kind of normal child relationship there. So you have to learn how to adapt. You have to learn how to like fight for yourself. And when I left school, I was on my own quite a bit at school. So you have to, again, you have to learn to be more self-sufficient. Um, and then I chose to be self-employed, which means you, you become very adaptable to stress being self-employed because you get a lot of shit thrown at you, basically. It's, it's hard work at the beginning. So, you know, if you don't feel you're an adaptable character, it's definitely something to work on because life is tough. Mm. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think... I think, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm in the PT coronavirus strategy group that you set up and um, and that's been awesome, by the way. So I think a lot of people have seen that, yes, you can adapt, you can change, you can change stuff and still move forward despite what's going on. And I think a lot of people, as you say, in life struggle to just go, okay, what can I do rather than oh, I'm just going to sit and wallow? I think that's, mm. a, that's a really big one. So just a question I've got in my mind, how was your, and I'm going to take you way back, because I did, I think, probably the first BTN course way back, like Rich Senewald was around and those kind of people. How has your outlook on nutrition and training changed um, in that time since kind of when you first started BTN to how it is now? Yeah, so I'd say my mind and approach has probably developed along with the industry as a whole. I think the industry over the last six, seven, eight years has generally become sort of more scientific in its approach. We've understood a lot more about nutrition. Um, nutrition used to be quite sort of mechanistic and assumptive because science sort of a while ago was quite clunky and alienating and tough to interpret. And then a lot more people came on the scene and started like, you know, interpreting the science differently. So beforehand, it was all scientists saying like numbers, statistics, all this kind of stuff. And everyone's like, oh, science is horrible. And then people came along and went, well, actually, like, what does that mean to the everyday person? So the commentary on science evolved and have become a lot more layman. And I think the industry actually caught up very quickly because there was a lot more interpreters getting closer to the science. And also there was a lot of interest in science because disease was becoming more commonplace like diabetes rates were going up obesity etc so it was kind of like shit we need to understand all this because actually we don't know why it's all happening so i think there was um a lot of things that happened at the time in the industry um 
and you know it's like anything we we learn through failure you know we we started to apply models of teaching like years and years ago we thought insulin was a major factor in fat loss yeah. and then it transpired that it's not like the science evolved our understanding evolved loads of people tried it and went well actually i'm on a high carb diet and i'm in a calorie deficit i'm still losing weight how's that possible god the insulin hypothesis must be wrong and it turned out it was wrong so i think it's just become more grounded in science we've been able to apply critical thinking a lot better um i'd say again it's another skill that's very underrated in both the fitness industry and the general population you know we see headlines we see statements and we believe it is fact it's like well who who said that how credible are they there's different layers of credibility mm -hmm. i have a certain uh level of credibility you both have a certain level of credibility jane on facebook has a certain <laughs> level of credibility yeah then a PhD science researcher doing this every day has a different level of credibility. So we have to be really wise to who's saying this stuff and how much truth we put into it. Cause normally we're making potentially big life decisions on this stuff. Like it's probably not a great idea to really go all in and trust Jane on Facebook and her fat loss advice, but it would probably be really prudent to listen to someone that's maybe been doing it in coaching and helping people for 10 years or even better, a PhD researcher who's been doing this stuff for like 20 years. So it's a real important skill, critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think people will often look at Jane's advice on Facebook before they come to us sometimes. And it's just because of that no like and trust factor, um, mm -hmm. you know, that classic line of, oh, it worked for me, so it must be right kind of thing. Yeah. And there's probably some truth in that, but we always need to look at the truth behind sort of the mechanism. So a great example is like, oh, I did the keto diet and I lost weight. So most people would go, oh, the keto diet is the answer to losing weight. And it's like, well, no, how did the keto diet stimulate weight loss? Well, it did that by creating a calorie deficit. So actually, yes, the keto diet is a way to stimulate a calorie deficit, but there's also many, many ways to stimulate a calorie deficit. But most people just stop at the initial statement because yeah. it takes more effort to look beyond it. But we have to look beyond it because beyond it is the multiple tools that work to achieve one job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just another really important thing for people to kind of get their head around. And, you know, this is where the effort factor comes in. Change takes effort because we have to go through, you know, many failures, many layers. And, and it's kind of tough, but people genuinely want to get in control of their nutrition, get in control of their mindset, get in control of their training. It does take effort. That's why I say it's, it's like a lifelong journey to being awesome. It doesn't stop after 12 weeks. It doesn't stop after a year. You keep going. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of where a lot of sort of quick fixes, isn't it? That mentality has happened is people want to do this, get to a point and go, right, okay, I can relax now and not have to force myself to live a certain way. And it's almost like, a, you know, they're just waiting for the moment that they can stop like that and uh, and. Uh, just revert back if you like so um but yeah so but what sorts of things like if you remember back even to your own transformations ben you know what sort of obstacles did you did you have to overcome yourself then or what, what kind of helped you along in your own oh i mean it's well, a long time ago <laughs> yeah, yeah, thinking of specifics is a little bit tough now um i'd probably be lying because i'd probably be making up some stories um do you know what? It's interesting. My fitness journey, you know, everyone becomes quite obsessive to an extent at some point in their fitness journey. You, you know, almost get a bit too much into healthy eating, a bit too much into, you know, going to the gym and stuff. And actually, one of my hardest transitions was actually being able to back off and just saying, well, actually, I don't need to go to the gym five days a week for two hours. I don't need to eat everything being perfectly, amazingly wholesome and healthy every meal of the day. And that was tough because a lot of the fitness industry was saying that I had to do that. Like you have to do this plan to achieve this goal. You have to, you know, be eating X amount of fruits and vegetables and clean food and stuff. And actually probably it took me a good two years and becoming very comfortable with the science of, you know, changing your physiology, changing your body composition to kind of understand that. And now, you know, I frustrate so many people because I have such a relaxed approach to health and fitness, but when you understand it is freaking easy. Like the reality is we all need seven to eight hours of good quality sleep a night done. 
We need to be well hydrated. <laughs> Done. We need to eat largely wholesome food 80-90% of the time that is hopefully most of the time portion or calorie controlled to our body weight. Then we need to do stuff, um, sorry, do fitness that we enjoy, that we can move, that we hopefully get a, an outcome from, and we need to not to forget to have fun. Like if we're doing that, you're like 80% of the way there. So when people are like, oh, what's your training like? I'm like, I try and train three or four times a week. I kind of hit at least two weight sessions. I do an upper and a lower. And I go for a cycle ride or a long walk or something like that. And people are like, well, that's it. Like, what program are you following? And I'm like, I don't want to follow a program. I just literally want to enjoy my training, lift some weights and do, do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been way more strict in the past, but I don't need that outcome. The only outcome I need these days is to enjoy my health and fitness. So if you do want to build muscle, yeah, you probably do need to go to the gym four hours a week and lift heavy and be, you know, challenge yourself and push hard. But I don't need that. And the reason I think that's an important narrative is I'm 33, I'm a parent, I have a you know, business, I have a lot going on. There's many other people in that situation. So actually, you know, getting to the gym and doing four, five hard days a week and trying to be really squeaky clean is, is too much for a lot of people. And a lot of people actually just want to be fit and healthy. And that is an okay goal. But there's a lot of pressure to be doing more sometimes. And I just want people to stand back and say, well, do you need to do more? Like, are you actually happy with where you are? Or are you unhappy? And, and both is fine. Like, we're not judging you. I'm not judging you. I just want you to be on the most truthful path, path for you and applying the right kind of tools and techniques to get you to where you're going. Mm -hmm. yeah. Love that. Love it. Yeah. Well, it is. It's the truthful path. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, just for me then. So, from a a supplement point of view, what led you to start Awesome Supplements? And I guess a big challenge for me and Gillian, obviously us coaches, is the whole supplement thing is exploded. Like all of a sudden, I don't know what's happened, but now it's um, exogenous ketones are the thing. All of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So, what is it about the um, supplement industry that you want to change, and what are the the messages and mistakes people are, are making with those? So it's very multifaceted. I had a lot of frustrations working with a company and them selling a lot of products that I didn't agree with. And I had to sort of be on my soapbox on social media saying, hey, take this and hey, take that. And, you know, clients were coming back to me and going, oh, I've just been on their website, but you said that that's not a good thing to take and the company you're recommending is selling it. So I felt really conflicted with like my morals of, you know, what I should and shouldn't be doing. And I was speaking to this company owner and he was like, well, I'm not going to take it off the website because it sells really well. So I'm just going to keep it there and you know, whatever. So that was my first big gripe. And then I felt that I was taking a lot of supplements that I didn't enjoy. Like the taste wasn't there, you know, like protein shakes have quite typically been a bit bland, a bit flavorless, kind of like it's a bit of a chore. And I thought, well, why does it have to be a chore? Why can't it taste good? Why can't we have better standards? Like if, um, if you know, an oat milk, no, sorry, an oat powder or kind of like these drinks that you mix up like galaxy options or whatever, if they can taste good in the, the shop by putting enough cocoa in a way, like why can't a protein powder taste that good? Mm. Um, and then, you know, just the general misinformation, I was a coach and I felt that people were struggling to know what was right to take just to support their health. So in my naivety, I just thought, well, how hard can it be to start a supplement? <laughs> yeah. And um, turns out it's really difficult because I've never worked in a product-based business. Yeah. Um, I'd had a, a small exposure, but not in a big way. Um, and I just, I just went for it. And, you know, I, I like business from the fact that I think it's a challenge. I think it helps you grow. Uh, you know, I find it's fun. I'm not, I'm not worried about risk. I'm not worried about losing money. Like I've got skills and expertise as a coach. So if one of my businesses just blew up overnight, I'd be like, well, I'll go over here. I'll help people over here. Like I've, I've got skills that I can just adapt elsewhere. So that, that doesn't make me kind of fearful. Um, and then I enjoyed the journey. Like it's with anything. If you do something well and you get positive feedback, you want to do it more. So loads of our customers were like, oh my God, you know, your chocolate salted caramel vegan protein is the best taste in pr vegan protein I've ever had. 
feed <laughs> off that. Like, what else can we do? How else can we be better? So that was kind of the journey, yeah. Yeah. yeah I do. I recommend it to all my clients. <laughs> I love it. No, no, I do. Any of the also supplements. Well, the powders, anyhow. Well, what I take, I only recommend anything that I use myself. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. So, absolutely. I just got one more question, Gillian, and you can jump in. But I think my, yes, yeah, so my question is what, what then do you see as the problem for the general public and understanding supplements? Because I think there's a whole lot of misuse and a whole lot of messages going out to the public around supplements, which just don't sit comfortably for me. And then when I get them to work with me, they're like, oh, I thought it was this magical thing. So what do you see then? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head in that most people just probably need to initially get out of the mindset that they even need a supplement. You know, I would much rather someone spent 50 quid on a good coach so that they can learn to understand their body and what it needs and change their habits and behavior before they went and bought a protein, a bar, a, a vitamin or whatever. Now I'm not devaluing what supplements can add and can bring, but you've got to look at the macro. The macro is, are you getting to bed on time and are you sleeping well? Are you moving well? Are you eating well? If you're not doing any of that stuff, mm -hmm. then you're, you're literally wasting, you're not wasting your money, but you're just missing the picture. You're missing what's important. And for some people, you know, time and finances is a finite resource so if someone said to me you know i've only got 50 quid a month to invest in my health i'd probably say well don't do it in supplements maybe buy a gym membership or join a boot camp and join a good facebook page that has loads of tips on you know you know recipes and food and all that kind of stuff that would be 50 quid way better spent than on supplements and then in the future if you do find yourself with another 30 quid and you can buy protein powder to make you know your fitness life more easier then brilliant then do that once that's done and people want to evolve into supplements again just spend a bit of time understanding what it is that you're looking to take like what is your goal is it health improvement cool or what you know deficiencies are common what could you be deficient in what is your diet deficient in? And a simple thing might be that you look at your diet and you never eat oily fish. So one of the best supplements for you might be an omega-3 supplement because it is probably a key deficiency for you because you don't eat fish. Yep. So it's just spending a little bit more time standing back and saying, okay, I'm thinking about taking a supplement. I want to explore this, but what do I actually need? Let's look at the whole picture and then approach it rather than, oh, I want to lose weight. Oh, what fat loss supplements are good? Oh, I've done a Google. Oh, this. Oh, I've just ordered two supplements on Amazon and I don't really know what they are. And then they come to you and say, I've bought these. Are they any good? And then you say no. And then the client feels bad because they've already gone and bought it. And I'm like, well, no offense. You should have done your research first. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And it's almost like, it. I guess it's a little bit of, quick fix sort of if i take this it's like looking for a magic pill in some way really you have to sometimes and like you say if you haven't got the important bits sorry my earphones are falling now but it's like you know because the sleep and the hydration you know does that really does that really make a difference like it's almost like it's too easy to make any sort of difference i suppose and, and maybe i guess some some clients just want to or you know, can overcomplicate things by by going for for what isn't as easy if you like. So um, absolutely. To be fair to clients, there's a lot of people online overcomplicating things unnecessarily. You know, if you follow people online, and even if it's me, and you feel that I'm uncom, uh, sorry, I'm complicating things for where you're at in your journey, unfollow me. Go and yeah. follow the, the, the individual that's going to help you with where you're at because you'll find a fitness model online and they're making a post about their day and it's like at 8.43 I do this and at 8.47 I do this and then I do this mobility thing and then I do this and I do that. And people are sitting there going, flipping it. That <laughs> sounds like a full-time job. But the thing is, is half of these fitness people, it kind of is a full-time job. If you look at a CrossFit athlete, they're up at like five in the morning. They're doing like a base run or a swim or a mobility routine. And then they're doing their weightlifting at like three in the afternoon. And then at eight o'clock at night after dinner, they're putting like recovery packs on and doing all this kind of stuff. But it's like, who are they? 
Where are they at? What are they trying to achieve? Well, they're an athlete, so they're fine-tuning their body. But if you're someone that's kind of you know starting off on finding their wheels with this, again, look macro. What's the thing that you can work on that will have the biggest impact? And that's why I always talk about sleep, because if you don't sleep well, you're a rubbish human being. Like, I know what I'm like with a lack of sleep. <laughs> I crave foods, I'm grouchy, I don't want to work, I'm generally quite pissed off. I don't really want to do anything more than maybe go for a walk or a light cycle. So I always say to people like, before you sleep well, it's very hard to be an awesome human being. So focus on sleep. Um, yes, you might be a parent. Yes, you might be getting up in the night. Yes, you might have stresses, but you know, can you do something? Like, could you improve it? Could you change something? And this is an interesting conversation I'm having a lot with parents at the moment is um, this kind of golden time that parents have on their own. Mm -hmm. and it's always a point of contention because you're always conflicted and what I mean is that period of time where the kids go to bed at night and then you get that free time before you've got to go to bed and what I'll find is a parents will try and stretch that window as long as possible to get loads of free time so they might be not, they might be getting up at 5 30 in the morning but they're still sitting in front of Netflix at 11 p.m at night you know having a cuddle and stuff and and that's awesome but the thing is, if you're going to go to bed and now only get six, six and a half hours sleep again, you've got to spend all of tomorrow grouchy again. So it's like, I only get about an hour, an hour and a half to sit down with my wife in front of the TV. I could stay up later. But I don't want to feel shit tomorrow. So actually, I'm in bed at 8 p.m. asleep by 8.30 p.m. because I know I have to get up at 3.30 a.m. So, you know, and, that, and that's the horrible thing about being a parent or being busy. There's always sacrifices. There's always trade-offs. We can't have everything. You know, you can't have all the free time in the world if you want to sleep really well. So you just got to ask yourself what's important to you and take action on that. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. But 3.30 you're up at. Is that Ivy's? Is that our wake time? <laughs> or is that you getting up? Um, it's basically the way that me and my wife can both get seven hours sleep a night. So yeah. my wife takes the baby from 8 p.m. to 3.30 a.m. when I sleep. And then generally Ivy wakes up at 3.30 for a feed. So I then take her, I keep her and then I do some work or go for a walk. And then I wake my wife up two and a half to three hours later. She feeds the baby again because we're still breastfeeding yeah. uh, exclusively. And then I take her again and then my wife gets those guaranteed two blocks of sleep time. So if Ivy's been a bit troublesome during the night, my wife can bank on that period of time for sleeping. So we sleep in separate rooms at the moment. Yeah. Do I want that? Not really. I would love to sleep, you know, with my wife in our bed, but we really value our sleep. So at the moment we're sleeping in spare rooms so that we can guarantee um, that we feel good because we don't want to spend all day being tired and grouchy with each other as shit as a new parent. You're yeah. then not enjoying it. So, you know, for the foreseeable future, we'll sleep in separate rooms. And then when the sleep pattern normalizes, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it together again. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know a lot of people that had to do the same and, and I think I think that there maybe is huge pressure to to try and just battle through that situation, but like yourselves, you take a different approach and you just find what works for you. Mm. I think it's very yeah, very commendable approach. So um so one thing I had in my head was round about really thinking about the future, how fitness has maybe changed a little bit now, Ben, and, you know, obviously with the lockdown happening, it's kind of, again, it's back to adaptability. So it's maybe people thinking about all different ways of keeping fit now. The gyms are closed and things like that there. And, and I just kind of wanted your thoughts and opinions on what you think, what will happen after the lockdown. And <laughs> do you think gyms are going to come back again? <laughs> do we do we see it happening? Or what's your, what's your thoughts anyway? I definitely think gyms will make a big comeback. Mm -hmm. I think what will happen, and I hope this happens, is this word sort of living your truth came up earlier. And I think this will happen with people's fitness and that they'll start to really sort of appreciate and understand what fitness means to them. So the people that have really missed the gym, they're literally gagging to get back. They'll be the people that are back in the gym, they're enjoying themselves, they're working on their goals, and that's awesome. But then there'll be a load of people that were like, go into the gym because they felt they had to or felt they needed to or they've just got into that routine and actually lockdowns forced them to go do you know what i really enjoyed cycling i really enjoyed running and actually can't be asked to go to the gym i'm happy to do an online workout for an hour with so and so 
and then I'll go for a cycle twice a week. And actually, that is way more enjoyable than having to go to the gym three days a week because I kind of just did it, but I don't enjoy it. So I think it will make people just start to really just reevaluate what fitness means to them and how it can fit into their lives. I've heard loads of people say, do you know what? I actually didn't mind working out online. I've got a good coach and I think I'm going to stay working out online because it means I've saved time. You know, I don't have to have as much childcare or it's not as much of a juggle, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I, I think it will just force people to look at what's important to them more and know also that there's many ways to stay fit and healthy. Like we've probably had a lot of gym messaging over the years, especially with a lot of the budget gyms cropping up and people have like, you know, just almost got themselves a token gym membership. It's kind of just there. And hopefully a lot of people have gone, you know what? Two body weight workouts a week and a run. I'm cool with that. Absolutely fine. Like awesome. Um, so I think that's going to be what has happened or I hope because I just want to move people towards living their best life in their own way. Yeah. I even seen it from people like in my local area because, or even just people I'm talking to, they're like going, there is an online thing. You know, it's almost like it's still like, there's a lot of people that are just dis haven't discovered that there isn't online options out there as well. Like, like that, you know, Ben, they've been so used to just, I go to the gym, I do my classes and that's it. That's been their thing. But it's made them stop and realize that there's others, other yeah. options. You're going to say and something great. Sorry. I think if any, if any coach happens to be listening to this, like that's not a negative thing on the industry. I know a lot of personal trainers are almost a bit upset at the moment. You know, people have lost business, but the reality is if someone moves closer to them being happier and they're able to fit fitness into their life in a more balanced way, then that's a positive thing. Like, mm -hmm. We shouldn't be frustrated at that we're there to make people live their best life. That's as simple as that. And if it is working out at home or going for a run in the park, then crack on me. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think the issue was though, that like you say is that Instagram or certain influencers, I hate that word, but influencers made it appear that to get the physique you want or the goal you want, you have to do it in a gym or you have to do it this way. And I think, yeah, this is, like you say, this is teaching people that, yeah, you can just do it at home with maybe three bodyweight sessions or, like you say, a run, a cycle, swim, whatever that, whatever it means to you. Um, but I think we, we got locked into this, it must be done this way or it doesn't work. And I think what's almost happened is you've got this kind of niching thing. So all the marketers came in and said, PT's got a niche. So we almost niche too much when actually I think we've forgotten sometimes how to be coaches to get people to the destination in the way that suits them not in the way that suits us mm. that's what i wanted to say yes <laughs> wasn't a question but i think that's it i think that's it we've gone so far to yeah. i've got niche i'm a bodybuilder but actually what what does the client want what does the client need how is the client going to be happy in the journey you don't always have to be standing over them making them do bench presses do you mm. Mm. No, no, that's not for everyone. Absolutely. So are you, are you at the minute still doing a lot, much coaching yourself, Ben, or is it, or is that kind of taking a back foot for yourself or? I do two hours of coaching a week. That's it. Yeah. And then the rest of it is all taken up by your, your podcasting and obviously yeah. everything else. All right. Okay. So I probably spend 10 to 12 hours a week being a leader in my business, managing the team, helping the team, uh, about 10 hours a week kind of on marketing, creativity, improving products and services and stuff. And then about two hours coaching and then a little bit of mentoring and speaking. Um, and then probably about 10 hours a week writing. And that's kind of the majority of my week. Um, so it's quite diverse. It's quite broad, but I enjoy that. And that's, that's how I want to live and work in my trade yeah brilliant brilliant so so you know we talked a lot about sleep being one of the like fundamentals as well um you know do you, do you see that on also as well you know obviously diet nutrition and we talked about them already um do you think that there's like some or what do people kind of struggle with most when it comes to their diet and nutrition do you ever see kind of like maybe certain populations or even women maybe that are 
have certain problems or or is it just kind of just a general just needing some help and accountability really to to get people to where they want to be is that the main reason uh, it's tough you know diet is a massive topic it's like when someone rolls the what makes people obese topic oh, yeah. Yeah. under the tape rolls it under the table like a hand grenade it's like you know wow i think environment is far far more powerful uh, than people consider you know who's around you what are they eating where do you go you know what places do you meet up with people it's like if you went to for example uh, starbucks i think starbucks and probably costa do a great job of making the cake in their coffee shop hugely appealing like you walk past it and you're like oh my god look at that cake. <laughs> You the up. lights and everything are on it, yeah, isn't no. it? <laughs> I don't even like cake, and I'm like, I want that cake. <laughs> so, if you're drawn into that, and you're like, "Hey, should we go out for coffee?" Yeah. Hey, should we go meet at Starbucks? Like, what's the chances that you'll go and eat the cake because you're potentially easily drawn into that? You like the cake, so yeah. knowing that about yourself, that's probably a really bad move. You might say okay, why don't we meet up at this place? Because I know that they literally serve coffee and smoothies and that's, that's it. And you almost remove yourself from the temptation. And sometimes that can be one of the best ways to almost be more consistent with your nutrition. It's like what is in the cupboards and your freezer and your fridge at home? Because that will dictate a huge amount of what you eat. If you go to the supermarket and buy a load of crap food, you'll eat a load of crap food. So then that's on you. So you're in control of creating that home environment. So going out for food at a restaurant, if you want to eat well at a restaurant, what restaurant do you pick? Do you go and eat at Pizza Hut or do you go and eat at a nice local pub that serves really good, wholesome, home-cooked food like cottage pies, roast dinners, you know, spaghetti, bolognese, like that kind of stuff. So your choices will continue to dictate it based on how you behave in that environment. So it's really important that you almost look forward and you don't always make decisions based on how you're feeling at any given time. Because it's very easy to go, oh, I'm tired or I fancy something sweet or whatever. You need to be looking beyond that emotion and almost just sort of anticipating it and creating it. It's the same with the foods, uh, sorry, the friends that you have. Like the friends that you keep always want to go to X pub mm -hmm. that serves like whatever, then you'll probably go and eat what they're eating and drinking what they're uh, drinking. So being aware of all these factors is really important because it just allows us to make more informed decisions. And we are in control of this much more than we know. Like imagine having a little debate in your friend's WhatsApp group. Let's say there's four, five, six, seven friends that you've all got in a WhatsApp group. People usually debate where to go for dinner for ages. Well, what if you as that person that wanted to eat fairly well made the decision? Oh, how about we go to Giovanni's next week because they do amazing pasta. And you know that if you go there, you'll have like a spaghetti, you know, bolognese or whatever, because they do, a, you know, amazing spaghetti bolognese. And that way already you're like, oh, now I'm going to make a good decision. And I've, I've been able to sort of influence that in my friend's environment and anticipate that. Um, but not enough people take charge of that shit. And you've got yeah. to take charge of it. Like if you want your life to change and decisions to be better, take charge of your environment mm -hmm. and yourself. It's that ownership, isn't it? It's just taking ownership of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And not, not relinquishing control. It's like, oh, you know, well, That's you know, such a fast task. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cake just turned up. The cake <laughs> no, you were in control of that situation, but you decided to be influenced. So you either choose to not be influenced or be influenced and then be upset at the outcome. Yeah. And it, that just reminds me, actually, when we had Stephen Aish on, on as a guest and, and that was when the, the falling off the wagon comes in, oh, fell off the wagon and, oh, you know, yeah. how that's, you know, and, and again, that's, a, that's a being upset, basically, at the consequences of what you, what you did, knowing that it's not really what you wanted to do, but you, you went ahead and now you're, now you feel kind of bad for making that decision and you're just upset with yourself, basically. So, yeah. Yeah. But everyone can anticipate all of these situations. Like if you're going to go and meet a friend at Costa, you know, driving to Costa, that at Costa, there's going to be coffee, there's going to be cake. And you know that your friend who loves cake is probably going to have some cake. 
So rather than waiting to the moment where you're at the checkout and your friend goes, do you want some cake? I'm going to have some cake. And then you being like, fuck, <laughs> I want to say no, but I'm going to say yes because my friends just put me on the spot and I'm that person that really struggles to say no. You could have anticipated that. You could have been driving to Costa going, oh, I know this thing's going to happen. So even before it happens, I might suggest that we share a carrot cake together. So at least I have had some cake, but we've halved it. And I'm not trying to demonize cake here. I'm not trying to say that this is something that you shouldn't have. But for some people managing their nutrition, eating a 550 calorie slice of cake at Costa with a might be quite a large impact on their daily calorie need. So I'm just making people aware of this stuff. So, you know, you know, people can say, oh, well, you know, I got asked and I just said yes and it happened. Again, you had a choice to anticipate that situation, but you chose not to. Yeah, I see. And, Costa, and they do make you walk past the cabinet and everything, don't you? Like, it's, it's all, it's that funnel. It's a funnel. It's a funnel. Drinking's another amazing example. You know what's going to happen when you go and drink with your mates? Yeah. There's going to be yeah. a group of three or four that are going to get fucking levered. There's a group of three or four that are just going to have a couple and then get a taxi home. And then there's the two boring teetotalers. Where, where do you want to be on that journey? Like, you know, who are you? And whenever I go out to drink with my mates, I'm like, I'm a two pint guy and that's it. I make that decision. That's like concrete in the ground. All of my mates know that, but I know I'm a two drink guy because I love alcohol. So I want to enjoy it and I do enjoy it. But also, if I have more than two pints, it affects me the next day. It also means I can't drive home. Um, so, you know, I make that decision before I even go out. Like, I'm already, like, programming my action. Mm -hmm. And it's because I want a certain outcome. I'm not going to get carried away by the environment. So, yeah, rant over. Choices. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, set, set your stall out. That's what you want. Set your stall out and make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you both, this is a question for both of you. Do you see that people go oh, I'm going to be really strong and I'm going to do this. And then Shelly from down the road says, well, I'm going to get smashed. And then people just fall into it. Just, oh, well, my friends influenced me. Well, it's just, it, it's wanting to, it's that balance, that conflict between you think that you're going to not be liked by your friend anymore if you don't do what they want. It's almost like a, are you going to be part of the gang anymore? Maybe they won't like me. Maybe I'll get kicked out of the gang now if I don't do what, you know, what everyone else is doing. And it's, it's just breaking out of that, breaking so, the chains a little bit, you know, isn't it? So I would, again, I'd come back to the point of anticipation. Like if you know Shelly, your friend is like that, anticipate that by saying, um, oh, uh, so let's say you're meeting your friend at 7 p.m. So, oh, by the way, I need to leave at half nine because uh, I need to get home for X and just make up, fucking make up something. It literally doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, um, like I'm really big on being efficient with my time. So quite often if I have a meeting, the first thing I'll say on the meeting after we've said hello and stuff is, oh, by the way, I need to leave at 11.30 because I've got another meeting. Sometimes I haven't got another meeting, but I need to stick to my time constraints. Mm -hmm. The meeting doesn't go on forever. So with your friend be like, oh, I need to leave at 9.30. So already your friend's thinking, oh, that's probably enough time for maybe two drinks and a bit of food. You're already programming the situation. Doesn't mean you're not going to have fun. You're not going to enjoy yourself. But at least you are in control of the outcome because you decided to take control of how the outcome can play out. Mm. Absolutely. Just reminds me of a situation I was in one time. And it was when I got, actually, I, I got to Melanist and I did that. I was going to go out. I was having a meal out with my friends. I wanted to go to a restaurant that I knew would have steak, so to have steak and vegetables or steak and salad. That was easy for me to kind of manage things. And, and I wasn't going to have a drink with my food, but I said I'd have a couple of gin, gin and tonics. Fine, I can manage that in my calories as well. It's no problem. And I'd have them, like a gin, yeah, gin and tonic, and then I'd have one afterwards. And that was me. And my friends were all like, okay. But I stuck to it because that, that was what kept me in my boundaries, if you like that. That's what I was happy to do. I was happy to bend the rules a little bit, but that's where I, I draw the line. And yeah, and it was weird. I remember feeling because I, you know, I kind of felt a bit weird. It's like, well, my friend's gonna say type of thing, but you know, they're fine. You're not in the cool gang anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they're still <Yeah>. friends. <laughs> <laughs> 
just gonna take it. By you doing that, it gives you so much more control and strength because there's less conflict because mm-hmm. you haven't allowed conflict to arise. If you're at the end of a meal and you're then deciding when everyone else is deciding if you're going to have pudding, there's a lot of conflict around. There's a lot of voices and opinion. But if you went into that meal saying, I'm just going to have a main meal and two drinks, no pudding, you've, you've then got no conflict because you've already made that decision without external influence. Yeah. yeah. And like you did with your friends, your friends were just like, Oh, okay, cool. And actually a lot of people respect strength. Yeah. respect people putting their stake in the ground because quite often they're jealous of that yeah yeah that's that. yeah. cool. Cool. cool cool so what was i gonna ask i have another question ben so you've got lots of things that that we know that you do and everything else you know between the the, the btn and you know both greg and i were are both graduates of your btn academy as well um and your awesome supplements, but it sounds like there's lots of things that you're really good at, but is there anything that you're not good at? <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, I'm not good at <laughs> thinking sort of in a linear fashion. Uh, I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with like patterns. So I'm really bad at some like admin tasks, like numbers, like that kind of stuff. I'm a very creative, messy, random kind of thinker. <laughs> I've just learned over time how to like, make all of that really efficient and make it kind of work so i am a a generalist and i quite enjoy it i also quite enjoy it because i find sort of you know there's a there's almost like a journey of diminishing returns it's like weightlifting you you go to the gym and you lift weights to build muscle and i built three stone of muscle and the last like half a stone of muscle that i built took like five years to build And after that point, I was like, what is the freaking point in this? Like, you know, I'm getting such small returns. And I think what I've done to develop myself with where I am now is you, you develop yourself as a writer, for example, or as a coach so much that you think, well, if I keep doing this, I'm only really getting marginal gains. And for me, is that enough to interest me? Do I keep going? Does it? So what I do is I develop the skill where I'm like, 90% 90% happy that I'm skilled to almost conquer and do well at most situations. And then I move on and I develop more skills because ultimately over time, I kind of want to see what I can do. I want to keep challenging myself. So I've yeah. developed a pretty decent skill as a writer, as an interviewer, as a speaker, you know, being on video as a leader, uh, running a business. Like, but I think for me, that excites me. Like, mm. it, you know, and, and people, will very easily say you could be a better coach. You could be a better writer. You could be a better weightlifter or whatever. I don't want to be like, I'm really happy with being quite a generalist because I feel I can help a lot of people and I can shape a lot of things. So, um, yeah, that's why I like being a generalist. Cool. Cool. Right, and I've got no shame in that. <laughs> okay. yeah, why not? I've got two questions left. If Gillian lets me have her last one, I'm gonna. I feel like I want to ask it today. So <laughs> one question for me is: Can you get Rachel Guy back on the podcast? I I, I miss her. Like, can I, I get Rich? Who? Rachel. Rachel. Ah, I could do. We could probably talk a bit about like parenting and stuff. We do talk on WhatsApp because she's in Dubai. Um, we could probably do something parenting related because that's generally what we talk about now: poop and things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I miss her. She, she was, uh, I liked her sharpness. Was like, <laughs> um, but I guess my final, the final question, I think this is Gillian's question normally, is what's your favourite F word? I know it's the most random question in the world. My favourite <laughs> F word? Well, I, I assume you don't want me to swear. Favourite <laughs> F word? Hey, <laughs> we've had a bit of swearing. Most people do drop that anyhow, but... <laughs> It, this is the thing i'm now trying to think of even any word <laughs> f it's like when, when you get put on the spot this quick it's like when people say like what's your favorite film and quite often you're like oh no i've got yeah. like many favorite films and I don't know. <laughs> it's like you're being bombarded yeah or, yeah um i don't know it, my favorite f word i'll give you why i why i ask this is like it's called the fit and fabulous podcast obviously f words we talk about food fitness big value of mine is freedom i like the sense of freedom you know that you get so that's why i kind of thought well 
Edwards. In that case, I will steal one of your words, <laughs> and that is freedom. And that's one of the reasons I became self-employed is I wanted to feel free. And you don't often always feel completely free as a business no. owner because mm-hmm. you know you, you have things to run and control. But um, I feel it gives me freedom because I am in control of the outcome. Like if I'm unhappy with anything, I do have the ability to change. Um, freedom's a beautiful word because if you become really healthy, then it gives you freedom in terms of movement because you know you're healthy, you're able to do things. So yeah, I, I love the word freedom. Mm, it's a big one for me awesome. as well, yeah. Cool. Being free is horrible. Yeah. No. And, and like that, I don't see freedom as a, I'm not devoid of any responsibility. I don't mean that sense of freedom, but just that you can, I can decide what to do with my time or you can decide yeah. what to. You don't feel I can, controlled. I can get out and go for a run if I want to, you know what I mean? I'm not limited by yeah by by anything that i have you know and that's i think that's why and probably another reason i like being a generalist you know a pretty decent generalist is it allows me to feel free in many areas of my life hmm. so i really understand nutrition so it allows me to feel free from my diet like my diet's not controlling me my fitness regime isn't controlling me my finances aren't controlling me my relationships aren't controlling me because i've done the work to be pretty good at most of those things. So I feel very free because I have the knowledge to be in complete control of them. And that's probably, hopefully quite a valuable bit of advice because when you learn and educate yourself, you have the knowledge to give yourself freedom so you're not being controlled by it. Um, you know, it's like if, you, if you're pretty poor at managing your finances, then you won't feel free financially to an extent because you're not very good at managing your finances. You're always getting to the end of the month going, oh my God, I've got like 3p left in my bank account. It's the same with diet. If you don't understand your diet, then you feel controlled by it because you don't know how to move the bits about. You don't know how to you know, account for a big meal at the weekend. You just sort of feel guilty the next day because you don't understand the mechanics. So that's where I really, really value education. And so much of my work is about education because it gives you freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Ben. We're, we're all good. Thank Hope you. you enjoyed that. It was a pleasure having you. Hmm. Where can people find you, Ben, if they want to hunt you down and stalk you? Yeah, come stalk. Uh, I'm Ben Coomber all over the internet. Ben Coomber Radio, if you want to listen to my podcast. And as soon as you put Ben Coomber into stuff, you'll hopefully find some good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, certainly. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, as always, if anyone does listen in, obviously on apple we'd love to get a review and let us know what you think today's episode so but thanks again and i'll see you all soon bye bye take care Bye. bye